We want to talk about faith. We want to talk about um, politics. We want to talk about race. We want to talk about pop culture. Literally, everything, 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 everything is up for discussion, and that's what French culture is about. About, about, about. What's going on, world? You are tuned into episode 26 of Brunch Culture. As always, I'm your boy, Randall Keith, and I'm joined by my co-host, Miss Lisa Victoria. What's up, world? All right, y'all. So we're going to dive into this weekend review. I'll kick things off today. Unfortunately, we had some pretty sad news. Uh, Todd Tucker from The Real Housewives of Atlanta show, as well as Kelly Rowland, my beloved Kelly Rowland, both lost their mothers uh, this past week. And it's a pretty sad event. Um, I know, definitely know that Todd Tucker was pretty close to his mom, so that was a big deal. And I know that Kelly Rowley had a pretty solid relationship with her mom and just the fact of losing mothers in general, particularly around the holiday season. It's a rough thing, a rough thing to know that they're experiencing. So our hearts and our prayers go out to them. Yes, definitely, because I couldn't imagine um, losing a mother at this time in my life. I, I just, that seems unbearable. Yeah. So we definitely want to keep them in prayer. Um, in other news, this is not this is sad, but on a different level, sad. Uh, Mariah Carey. Her voice is going. I'm just gonna say it like that. It just. Oh man. Yeah. It was. It was pretty bad. I was just like, oh yeah, you you just need to stop. I I didn't know what to say. Yeah. So if you guys haven't heard Mariah Carey did a Christmas performance and the actual audio of her voice was released. Uh, This is the audio of her actually singing into the microphone. If you guys don't know, a lot of people seem um, surprised about it, but that artist oftentimes lip sync to lyrics uh, of their, to their own songs. What they'll do is they'll go in the studio and they'll record like a more raw sounding version of the song and they'll perform it. Well, apparently Mariah Carey, was singing actually into the microphone and so the mic that she was singing into recorded her voice and that audio clip was released. Um, Mariah Carey didn't sound good at all. And it's kind of sad because I just kind of feel like Mariah Carey has been getting some flack for the past few years about lip syncing and things like that. But yeah, the the audio performance was just not good at all. Yeah. I'm just like, Mariah, you're not the same woman we used to know with the high notes but you know everybody's voice goes I never was graced with a voice so mine sounds like the aftermath of Mariah anyway so like the aftermath of Mariah I actually have a clip of uh, Mariah Carey just so we can play it's just a 15 second clip but this is what we heard this past week Okay, I'm having a few technical difficulties. It's not playing, but we will uh, send out the link to that so you guys can hear. We don't want to spend too much time on that. But yeah, it was kind of bad, and I just feel bad because, again, Mariah Carey is a legend, and so nowadays we have people that are quote-unquote legendary that don't have the voice 
that Mariah Carey once did, or I guess has. Maybe she just needed to warm up. Whatever the case was, it was <laughs> a bad situation. Up. Yeah, it was just a bad situation. And it's kind of like, man, you know, we do all this talking about the legends of today and knowing that they aren't as half as good as like the legends from back in the day. Yeah, it's it's just a bad thing all around. It's kind of sad. Yeah. So in addition to praying for the family of Kelly and Todd, we want to lift up Mariah's voice. Um, Lisa, you're so wrong. Because uh, it, it's so wrong. it's also dead. Um, <laughs> That's so wrong, yo. That's wrong on so many levels. Yeah, I just God is a miracle worker. Won't he do it? Come on, hashtag Tamar Braxton. Um, <laughs> just saying, he could do it. So, moving on to our main topic today. Um, <laughs> this is also sad to me, frustrating. I, I know many of us were angry when this week it was announced that there will be no indictment in the case of Eric Gardner. And if you know of a few shows back, we did a whole show on Eric Gardner. And yeah. and I I just don't believe it. I can't believe it because it's like you have video and people are saying we get body cameras and the president proposed that and uh, New York was already working on that and it's just like but we have the full video and we still no indictment so will that even matter and it's kind of this thing ongoing people are protesting saying Black Lives Matter Black Lives Matter and. With the ongoing events and the no indictments and what we had going down in Cleveland with the 12-year-old and Mike Brown and countless other things, we're wondering, do black lives really matter? And, of course, we know they matter, but in society, do they matter? Do they matter to the um, in regards to the prejudices or the systemic injustices that we see? It's like the system is set up to say it doesn't matter, even though we know that it matters. Right. I think that's so. I think the answer to the question, if, if I had to ask the question in the grand scheme of things, when we say holistically to everyone, do black lives matter? No. I think it's really simple. It's really hard to conceptualize. It's really hard uh, to accept that that is the case. But I think when we see these types of things, it it becomes proof that black lives don't matter. Before we dive into this, I definitely want to uh, just say thank you to everyone that has done any type of protesting, um, anybody that has stood up and said, I'm going to stand against this. I'm going to go out in the streets and march and you know let my voice be heard, make it known that I am not in support of this non-indictment that I'm extremely disappointed. Um, even in terms of people that um, during the Thanksgiving weekend, during Black Friday, decided not to go out and 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 support Black Friday. Uh, a friend of mine sent me an article from the New York Times that said that the Thanksgiving weekend sales in stores and online slid down by 11%. And I think even that just small movement, a lot of people were saying, well, that's not a lot. Um, you know, people that could just be because people weren't interested. I think a lot of that had to do with a number of people saying that they weren't going to shop on Black Friday, um, specifically because they did not want it to be 
they wanted to make make it known that we matter. They wanted to make it known that our finances matter. And if these corporations are going to speak out about other things and not speak out about these events and these injustices, then we won't give you our money. So I applaud people that are doing that. But back to answering the question, I definitely think that we can conclude that Black lives don't matter. And when we say that they don't matter, they don't matter in the grand scheme of everybody. They aren't as precious as the life of someone else. They're not as precious as uh, people that died from other major events that have happened in the U.S. We get so moved by these acts of terror and these acts of injustices towards America as a whole. And I and it with and do right, I think that we should. I think that there's a space for that and we have to, but I also think that we should be equally as enthralled as a nation when we see things like what happened in New York with Eric Gardner and we have a video and not just one video, there are multiple videos from multiple different angles and to find out that there was no indictment and it is almost as as if to say, you know, he was justified. He should be dead. Those types of things, it makes you realize that Black lives don't matter as much in the hearts and the minds of everyone. And it's bad, sad, and very unfortunate. Yeah, and I think, too, the automatic assumption, because one thing I was hearing on the news was, well, he was a felon as if that justified him being treated differently. And people are people. And if you're going to do time for something, should you be treated the same as, shouldn't you be treated still as a human being, even though you did your time, you've already served your time. Whether you're felon or not, you're still a human being. We have ways when we have prisoners of war, we have certain ways that we have to treat them because they're human beings. So there's no justifiable reason to kill some uh, unarmed black man um, if he's not doing anything. You know, he wasn't really doing anything. And this whole premise of, you know, he deserved it because like the Charles Barkley comments, well, he was resisting arrest, so he deserved to die. I just think that's crazy. Yeah, it's extremely ignorant. Um, I think that it's, in, you know, I realize that we, we all live different lives. I think one thing I had to check myself in this time was to not get so upset with other Black people that didn't feel the way I, feel, I felt or didn't understand, you know, my Black experience. I think one of the things that we have to acknowledge for ourselves and acknowledge for the rest of the world is that being black is different from everyone. My black experience may not be your black black experience and vice versa. And it's just like being any other race, being white is not the same for everybody. Everybody has their own experience. So the same way that I want them to give me the ability to, you know, express myself, I also have to understand they have the ability to express themselves. But I just want 
with in saying that there's certain things that are just absurd and to you know to make comments to say that a person because they're a felon then they they uh deserve to die or if they were resisting arrest then you know they got what was due to them or had they not done this or acted aggressively they shouldn't be here people act aggressively all the time to the police um people that are not of color act aggressively to the police all the time. And we find, by and large, that those people don't suffer the same consequences. And there are documented experiences of that. Um, there was a hashtag that was going on that said this past week on Twitter that was criming while white. And there were a number of stories uh, of, of people tweeting out um, that were white and saying, hey, you know, this happened to me. I've done this as a white person and I haven't had any issues. So. You know, it's just one of those things of just knowing that we don't have the same ability to do things of, as other people. And when we see, when we have proof, video, visual proof and evidence that there is an injustice, there's still the possibility of nothing being done about it. Yeah. And I, again, that goes back to this question, do black lives really matter? And like you said, as a whole, what the system is telling us is we don't. And that's why people are protesting and saying, yes, we do matter, because if we don't speak up for the those who have died in, in the um, Mike Browns and the Eric Garners and the Trayvon Martins, um, then we will have continued to have this problem because in the lives of people, white lives seem to matter more, especially when you look at statistics and like you said criming while white and people having stories where i saw one story where guy was like i was driving drunk and the cop took me to the atm like that yeah. would never happen yeah yeah and so and it, it's one of those things that even just watching it um you know you had a lot of i was having a conversation with some friends uh of different races this past week and it was really interesting the conversation was very, it was a tough conversation for everyone, but it was definitely a beautiful conversation in the sense that everybody was open to respect everyone's background, everyone's ignorance, you know, everyone's um, inherent bias towards both sides. And I, I'll say for myself, it was definitely challenging to have and tough to hear at some points, but I was definitely thankful for it. Um, but one of my friends, uh, she was inquiring about how it makes myself and another one of my friends feel as black men, um, as black men in our twenties that, you know, are experiencing life and going through this thing and very much so not too far removed from these incidents. Um, in terms of age-wise, and she was just inquiring of how it makes us feel and, 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 you know, basically what she could do from her point of view and her perspective to better understand us, but also, you know, to um, be a part of some sort of change in her own, cir in her own circle of reach. Um, and so, you know, just kind of having that conversation and, and realizing that there are things that we just don't hear. We're not hearing from other people. There, there are times that we, you know, cut ourselves off or we, we completely block out another side and another perspective. And I think that that's something that is easy for us to do. And trust me, I'm saying this as I'm like talking to everyone, I'm talking to myself and I'm reminding myself that I have to try to hear from other people. But 
I say that to say that we have to hear from other people that have some sense of trying to understand another side. Uh, one thing that I keep finding, you know, is that people um, are making these out, making these statements about, oh, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Black people are just going too crazy. Of course, Black Lives Matter. This is America. We're free. Everybody matters and yada, yada, yada. And they aren't paying enough attention or giving enough sensitivity to the subject and to the topic in general. And those are the people that we have to cut off. But one of the things that was said during the conversation that I was having with my friend, she mentioned that there's a potential for some of those criming while white stories to be um, false, falsified. You know, these these things aren't vetted. They're not backed up. We don't know. You know, people could just be on Twitter just saying things just to say it, just to be a part of it, which could very well be true. But as I told her, even if one of those stories were true, and I would imagine that we wouldn't have millions and millions of people that just, you know, find it necessary to tweet out all lies. But even if one of those stories were true, that proves that we have to have a conversation. That proves that you know, somebody out there doesn't get it. And what we are advocating for, what we need to be pushing towards is for everybody to get that every life should matter and everyone should be treated equally. So because if you pull me over with my dark skin um, or, or or my brighter skin or my skin that just doesn't look exactly like yours or my, you know, my ethnicity that doesn't look exactly like yours, that you don't put me into a certain box because you're used to people that look like me um, acting a certain way. And that's on across all fronts, but particularly specifically when it comes to black men, because statistically, that's something that we can't fight. Statistically, we know that black men are at the bottom of every every uh, success statistic that there is and is at the top of every imprisonment and crime rate statistic. And that's something that we really have to address here in our country. Yeah. And um, it's too, people don't realize the, the hypocrisy of this false reconciliation that we have in our country. Um, I was reading a quote the other day and said, it says we have to get to a place where race relations, where we move beyond hypocritical tokenism. And I hmm. thought that was so powerful because it's like, yeah, we have these these counterfeit reconciliation strategies for dealing with racism. But in reality, we're actually we'll do good activities for each other or do good gestures for each other. But if you don't get to the core of the issue and we don't talk about the hate in the hearts of people or the fact that they still feel like that we're not a whole person just in slavery as we didn't count for a whole person. Those things are deeply rooted in the hearts of people. So they could be genuinely nice to you and still have this perception that you're less than human or you're less than them or they treat you like they're better. And those are the things that have to be tackled. We can't just act like it doesn't exist. We have to deal with that. And you, you bring up a, a, a pretty good point. because So one of the things that I'm realizing is very, very, very tough um, when having this conversation about race is that the word and the term racist has become such a, a bad thing, such a go-to to vilify someone and to make someone just the worst person in the world that... When anyone says the word race, you immediately or question someone's position 
on race, you immediately think that you're calling them a racist and it becomes, oh, no, I'm not a racist because I, because I have black friends, because I serve black people, I work with black people, I invite black people in my home and, you know, all of those things. And I, I feel like, you know, we, we, we have to come up with something else. We need to come up, we need to call it a prejudice because it's true that we all have our own prejudices. We are, you know, oftentimes raised in a community or an environment of people that look just like us. So for the mere fact that we have to interact with someone that doesn't look like us and, you know, doesn't do the things or value the things that we value, we have a slight prejudice against them and a preference to be around the people that look like us. So we have to have the discussion to understand that in a situation, someone could make a prejudiced decision or movement or having a prejudiced opinion or even a racist opinion. And that may not carry over to other areas in their lives, but in this area, it may do so. So let's say, and we'll just use, you know, any any police officer. There's a possibility that when dealing, when at work, when on the force, when in a particular community, police officers approach or have this idea of what black people in this community are like, what they how they act, how they respond. However, that police officer may very well be best friends with another black person that doesn't carry the same characteristics as the Black person in that community. Again, the Black experience is very different. So to say that this person is completely racist, if you will, is inaccurate completely in every aspect of their lives. But in this one particular situation, did they carry a bias, a bias that, was, that made them prejudiced and that showed characteristics of them being racist? Absolutely. So what we're having a discussion about is about this person in this moment and not this person holistically, because I believe that, you know, there were a lot of people saying that, oh, you know, Officer Darren Wilson um, in the Ferguson issue with Mike Brown, you know, he has black friends and, you know, he loves the black community and yada, 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 yada. And all of those things may very well be true. But in this moment, being on duty in this community that is known for high crime and things like that, you cannot tell me that this man did not prejudge Mike Brown and prejudge the other people in this community to be thugs and to be hostile and, you know, to already to be guilty without asking them a question or just saying, oh, they're in the they're they're in the street. They shouldn't be in the street. They need to get out of the street. I can say it how I want to say it and talk to them how I want to talk to them. Well, if you're in another community, I guarantee that wouldn't have happened. Yeah, and it, go, it just goes all back to perception and how you view people and treating them like a, a human being. I mean, we have we treat animals better than sometimes African-Americans are treated by the police. Hmm. I mean, you can't shoot an animal and not go to jail. Right. I, I was reading an article about a police who shot a reindeer, and there was the neighborhood deer, and they wanted to prosecute him. And I guarantee you that deer was unarmed. Uh-huh. He might have been armed with antlers, because if Trayvon was armed with a sidewalk, I think he probably was antlers, probably armed. Um, but it's just, you know, we have rules for for animals in this world that seem a little bit stricter than when we're dealing with our African American men, because in the in the minds of many people, they're hostile and dangerous. Right. And so 
that perception has to be dealt with at the core and you have to be able to admit you can never overcome anything you're not honest about. Mm -hmm. And I think that in order for this to work and for us to be real reconciliation, you have to admit, Hey, I have a problem with black men. I see them as threats and I need to work on that. And let's really talk about that. But until we get to the place where people are honest about their own feelings or their own perceptions, we'll never be able to talk about it. It's not the fact that you, like Randall was saying, you have a, a white, a black friend or you go to church with white people. I mean, black people and they come to your house. What is your overall perception of everybody? If a thug, thug looking quote unquote with dreads and pants sagging comes up to you, do you automatically assume he's a thug? Exactly. Exactly. And it, it's, it's one of those things. So we, we talked in our conversation off the record, we talked about, um, I, I mentioned people providing context for a certain thought or uh, a certain uh idea and expression. And I think I'll definitely speak to that on both sides. And, and and I kind of alluded to it before, but in the conversation that I had with my friend, the tough conversation, I had to, in my mind, give context to their perspective. I didn't agree with their perspective all, all the way. I didn't understand their perspective all the way. But what I did do was make sure that I granted them context to feel the way that they fit to feel the way that they feel and try to understand how they got to that point. Because once you do that, then you can actually start doing the work. You can have an honor, honest conversation. You can create a safe zone where people can really express themselves without having the fear of being attacked and the fear of being labeled and judged and 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 looked at as somebody that is just not capable or somebody that is completely horrible. And once you do that, you can start walking people to a common ground. Well, hey, let's say I thought of you this way because of. Let's say you were in this situation and, and parallel some of their experiences to some of my experiences so that they can get it. So I think nationally on both sides, in the Black community, in the white community, in the Hispanic community, in the Asian community, we have to have these conversations. And we really have to understand that you know, just naturally, because we're human, because we prefer the things that we prefer and we're around the people that we're around, we naturally have these inherent biases and we have to talk our way through these together to really be progressive um, and to really move to a place that's going to get us beyond this. Um, and again, I do think that it's something we have to have, but I truly do believe that if in our, our in us trying to move forward, those are the types of things we have to happen because those things rarely happen. And I think that's why we still have these perceptions of, well, I think those type of black people are like this and those people are like that. Yeah. And I agree. And it's a, a discussion I think we'll be having from years for years to come. But as I said before, it starts with honesty on both ends and admitting, like Randall said, your biases. Yeah. Um, and to answer the question, we definitely want to answer as a system. It seems like black lives don't matter but we are both testifying that black lives do matter. Do matter, yeah. most definitely. 100% in my life for the rest of my life, they they matter. The rest of my life and beyond, black lives matter, and I will, trust me, I will not shut my mouth until I feel and believe that everybody understands and believes that they do. Amen, amen. If we was in church, I would throw you a dollar. Hey, oh, wait a minute now. Not Hold throw on. you a dollar. Hey, Hold on. That's wait, we might... Break. Hey, we might have to go to the church house. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But we want to move to our random topic. Okay, so today's random topic, a unnamed suspect took the streets of L.A. last Monday. Um, and he was careening through traffic at 90 miles per hour before he crashed. Yeah, he <laughs> got, once he crashed, he got out with the skateboard. Um, he proceeds to run through the streets with the skateboard. Then he hops on the skateboard because apparently just holding it. He probably thought, man, I need some wheels. My car crashed. Let me get some wheels. Got on the skateboard and ran through. Now, this is the thing. I don't understand why he carries the skateboard, first of all. That's the way. You trying to run from the police. I don't understand. Is the skateboard valuable? That better be the goal. <sighs> and well, I, hey, yeah. I just, I wanted to know what he, this dude was on. So, we'll send out the video. But when you see the video, this dude gets out of the car, runs to the back of somebody, gets out of the car with the skateboard, runs over to the sidewalk. Puts the, the 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 skateboard. It's actually a longboard. Puts the longboard down. Hops on the longboard and starts to proceed to push himself as if he's really gonna get away on this longboard because cops can't outrun a longboard. Cop cars can't outrun a longboard. This helicopter that is following your every move is not gonna be able to outrun this longboard. When I saw the video, I was like, "Yeah, dude, gotta be on something. He gotta be." There's no possible way he's not on something because nothing about what you just did made sense whatsoever. None whatsoever. Yeah, and, and if, as, as you can see, he got caught. Um, <laughs> and he went to jail. And like I said, he if he was on something, he probably didn't even realize the severity of what was happening at that moment. Yeah. It, it, <sighs> I just, yeah, the... The the random news that happens, the random things that happens, you just have to say, wait, these are people serious? Like, <laughs> I just don't. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I think the world's going mad, but uh, <laughs> we're gonna move to our quote of the week. This week quote comes from my mentor, Doctor Van Gaten, and it states, "Truth has many sides." Yes. yes, yes he yes. might have quoted that from someone. But I know when he told me that, I was just like, that was, in my life, that was like a truth to power moment. Because I was like, wow. Because, I mean, in this case, we have, even going back to the case with um, racism in America and with the divide, there's so many different perspectives. And people are like, well, it's fatherlessness. Well, it's systemic. Well, it's um, uh, drugs in the community or it's education. And really, it's not either or. It's both and. And right. you could. we need protesters. We need people to vote. We need people to do all of that. We need to attack fatherlessness. And we addressed this in our last um, thing. It's not just about black on black crime or whatever. We need to fight all of it. Truth right. has many sides. And we need to stand right. up for all sides of the truth. Right. And I think I, I, I think we, when you said it and you know this, but everybody else, for everyone else, when Lisa repeated that to me, I it empowered me in so many ways because it's like, wait, somebody gets it. Somebody gets it that, you know, your truth is very true and my truth is very true. But the because truth has so many different sides, 
unless we come together and really talk about, you know, how we both arise at our truth and try to understand how we both arrived at, arrived at our truth and then try to see how that we can work collectively to move forward to get to a better understanding of what the truth is, we are always going to be fighting. We're always going to be oppressing someone. There's always going to be somebody that's going to be left out and left behind because I believe that what I understand to be the truth is 100% right, and you do as well. We were both there. We both experienced it. And I think what's an even... Uh, a whole other issue for me about this whole Mike Brown and even the Trayvon Martin thing and even Eric Garner. Guys, we don't have... Th there's one piece of this puzzle that's missing, and it's very, very important because you have one person that's able to, quote-unquote, give their side of the story, but there's another story that's very true that's not there, and no one's concerned about that. So not to digress, but yeah, I think, this, I think that quote is incredible, and I think it can be applied to every facet of our lives. I, I definitely agree. And we want to thank you for listening to this week's episode of Brunch Culture. Remember to check us out on our website at www.brunchculturebc.com, on social media at twitter.com slash brunchculture, on Instagram at brunch underscore culture, on Facebook at facebook.com backslash brunchculture. And remember to join the conversation by hashtagging chatbc. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter on our website. Um, and there's, there's a box at the bottom where you could put your email address and your name and sign up and get weekly updates so you'll be the first to know. So don't forget to do that. Subscribe to us on Spreaker, on iTunes, share us on Facebook with your friends. Help us get the word out because we want to take brunch culture further and further each week. And we thank you for tuning in. And remember, at Brunch Culture, everything is up for discussion. <laughs>